We are continuing our series on home, and this one is one that you will not want to miss because it is probably one of the most contentious verses in the Bibles when it comes to marriage. Now, I'm going to be talking about marriage, but that doesn't mean this doesn't apply to you because if you've ever been married, if you ever intend to be married, or if you ever have relationships with other people, these words can be good guidance. So the home series is all about equipping the families to do discipleship at home. We've talked about a love that never dies. We've talked about into the light. If you'd like to hit those sermons, wordserve.org slash sermons, they're all available. But today, it is all about the mission of submission. Next week, we'll talk about how to honor parents uh, and grandparents. So that one's uh, maybe more near and dear to my heart than it used to be. But today, we're talking about the mission of submission. So I thought I would start with a straw poll. Uh, and this is a highly scientific straw poll, by the way. So uh, we're going to do it this way. I'm going to ask if you have a favorable or non-favorable impression of a word that I'm going to share with you. If you have a favorable impression, you do the Aggie symbol. Uh, if you have a, <laughs> I knew it was, I was waiting for it. If you have a non-favorable impression, this. Okay, so favorable, non-favorable. What is your impression of this word? Submission. Oh, we got some neutrals. Nice. Mostly downers. Okay, or neutrals, right? Or, or, Arthur. My phone just went off. This is, this is scary. <laughs> so, so mostly uh, neutral to, to down. The, the idea that we have of submission is generally not a good one because we associate submission with either losing or being beaten. Like an MMA fighter gets submitted, or they lose the fight. Uh, if you get submitted in war, you're, you're the, the person who lost. If you uh, submit to someone, you somehow are weaker or lesser or less important. Uh, and that's what we typically associate it with. And it gets worse because <laughs> you want to you light up a marriage conversation? Try this line, guys. Well, you know, the Bible says that wives should submit, should, should submit to their husbands. Anybody ever started with that one? How did, it, how did it go for you? Yeah. You remember that black guy I had about a year ago? That's not related, actually. So we, we need to talk about what it means to biblically submit. Uh, we're going to take another straw poll at the end. I'm going to see if we've made any progress in the idea of biblical submission because it's different than just submission. And, and this is where it gets us into trouble because we read something like Ephesians 5.22, and it says right there, wives, submit to your husbands. And so if we're if we're consistent Jesus followers, we have to figure out, okay, it's there. It's hard to miss. And if I want to follow Jesus and be true to Scripture, I can't ignore this. But the way I've practiced it, I can't abide by it either. So is there something wrong with the Scripture? Or is there something wrong with the way that we're interpreting it and going forward with it? And I would argue it's the second, and hopefully... Uh, we will convince you that that is true. But the bottom line is, if it's in the Bible, if it's said by Scripture, it is God's design. And so we can't just ignore it and, and do the smorgasbord Bible technique. You know what that is? You just walk by and pick the parts that you want, and then you got your plate. But there's all this other stuff, and it's still part of God's instruction. So we have to figure out how to deal with it. Um, ultimately, it is... God's design, uh, and if we want to argue with it, we have to argue with the way that God, who created the universe, put this all together. So let's talk about the, the word itself. What does it mean, submission? If you think about subs, the, the submarines, they are the boats that do what? 
go under water. So if I think about something that goes under emission, what does that mean? It's secondary to someone else's mission. It's not my mission. My mission is not the main thing. The main mission is the mission, but I put my will and my willingness under the authority of a greater mission. Any guesses on what the greater mission is? Making disciples. I was waiting for Jesus. <laughs> That's usually the answer you guys throw at me, and it's true. So biblical submission is not about making me less. It's actually going to make me more. If I put my mission underneath Jesus' mission, the mission to make disciples, the mission to reconcile the world, that's the mission. And if I'm in competition with that, I take away from God's great mission. So I am underneath God's mission. Now, we need to talk about what it's not, because this is where we get into trouble, I think, a lot. Uh, biblical submission, I'm specifically talking about this wives part, right, because I hear this more often than not. It is not inferiority or passivity. It does not mean that you fold your hands and quietly accept everything that's going on. It does not mean that you are inferior to your husband. It does not mean any of that. That is not the biblical sense of the word. It does not mean accepting sin or criminal behavior. If your husband is asking you to do something that is illegal or immoral, uh, it, it's just like the, the military. Yeah, we, we're expected to follow orders, but if it's illegal or immoral, we're also expected to not follow that order. So this is not a carte blanche to do whatever they want. I thought I was going to get a... Okay. (laughs) You're waiting for the rest of it. Okay, so it's not enabling laziness or irresponsibility. So I can't use this excuse as a husband just because I don't want to do something and you have to do it and then you have to submit to me, so you got to do it. That's not right either. That's not the way this this is designed. And it's not to encourage irresponsibility. Husbands, this is some, some news for you. This is a call to inescapable leadership, inescapable responsibility. Because if this is God's design and and we are going to be in this position, we can't dodge that either. So we have to take it seriously. Guys, I'm going to talk to you in just a second. (laughs) And they're like, oh, got to get some coffee. I got to go to the bathroom. Um, It's not a relationship of master slave. It's It's a relationship of lover and beloved. That's the bi- when you put biblical in front of that submission, this is the major change. It's about lover and beloved. It's about God and humanity. It's about Jesus and his disciples and the people he interacted with. It's a whole different way of submission. So you may be asking, okay, Bill, then what is biblical submission? Well, here we go. Um, what, what you didn't notice before is when I, when I put this verse up and it says, wives, you must submit to your husband, I expanded the picture. Do you see the verse right above that? Oh, oh, wait, wait. Submit to one another. Well, guys, did you see that? Did you know that that was there? Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So guess what, guys? You're not off the hook. In fact, you're even more on the hook than the wives are. And you're not going to like this part. The wives are. But uh, you're not going to like this part because Paul spends three times the amount of instructions to men in this passage than he does to women. Let that sink in for just a second. Three times more towards the men than he does the women. And what does he say? Well, I'm glad you asked. This is why it's so important to read the Bible, what I call in circles. So if you read a passage and you just lift it out, out of context, that's called proof texting. There's actually a name for it. And so much damage has been done throughout the centuries from proof texting. 
So many people have been harmed individually, culturally, whole civilizations have been harmed because we've improperly taken a verse out of the Bible, out of context, out of God's design, and used it for our advantage. Now, say it isn't so, but it is. You've probably experienced it yourself. So we have to be careful that we don't proof text, but we read in circles. If you read something, I always encourage you to read a little bit behind it and then a little bit in front of it. And if it doesn't have context yet, expand your circle. Read a little more behind it, read a little more before it. And if it still doesn't, read a little more and a little more. That's what I mean by reading the Bible in circles, until you get the context. And we can never just take it out of the context of the whole of Scripture. This is one of the reasons I encourage the small groups, the community groups, the studies, and all that kind of things, because uh, I'm going to be honest with you. Do I love every time I sit down and, and study a Bible with a group of people? Sometimes it's just inconvenient. Sometimes I'm tired. I'd rather be doing something else. But you know what I find? is that the more often and the more consistent I do that, my well gets filled. And eventually, eventually, I'm going to make a connection somewhere because I've got this information and all of a sudden, the pieces start to fit together, and I go, whoa, this God is awesome. This God is, is amazing. And now I begin to see how to properly live my life so that I represent Christ and not me. So that's my encouragement to you to, to be steady and consistent, read the Bible in circles, get the context of it, and now it's time to talk the difference between men and women. There's a book out called Love and Respect by Dr. Emerson Egerich. I think I said that right. Uh, if you've ever read this, how many people have ever read this book? Okay, so some people have. I would love to hear your impressions of that after the service. Let me know what you think. But his premise is, and it comes out of Ephesians. Um, if you want to play along in the, the home game here, we're going to be in Ephesians 5, starting in verse 21. But he says that basically the woman's primary need is to be loved. Now, that, that has a lot to it. To, to be loved means to be respected, to have security, to be cherished. And the man's primary need is to be respected. So we're going to talk about some ways that we can apply that, but let's start by reading Ephesians 5, 21 through 33. I'm just going to read it through, and then we're going to come back and, and pick it apart a little bit. So here we go. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit, to yourselves, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. And that's really about it for the wives, because the rest of it's for you guys. Here it comes. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, people have never hated their own bodies, but they feed and care for them, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. These are the words of God. They are for the people of God, and for these words, we are grateful. Did you hear the love and the respect right in the, in the text? So Dr. Emerson here is not making this up. He's actually pulling this out of a scriptural basis, and so shall we. 
So as we look at the differences between men and women, uh, her biggest need being love. So um, one of the ways that women can interact with men, so the rest of this list is how women interact with men. One of the things that we can do, and I, I, I pulled this from various sources, eliminate sarcasm. Our culture is excellent at sarcasm and trash talking. I mean, we have taken it to all new levels, but it's damaging. And while we may laugh it off and think, ah, oh, that was a good one, it sticks. So one of the things that wives you can do to help your husbands, eliminate the sarcasm from your language. And, and guys, if you're doing it too, you, you need to do this too, but I'm just saying, this is the way it goes. Uh, another one, avoid correcting your spouse in public. Now, if it's essential information, if it needs to be corrected, then yeah, make a correction. But anytime there's something wrong, oh no, that's not the way it is. It's like, that respect just took a little hit. And I don't know if you guys have ever experienced this, uh, but, but if you do, you don't forget it easily. It kind of hangs there with you. Um, become fluent in your spouse's love language. What does that mean? How many people are familiar with Dr. Gary Chapman's work, uh, The Five Love Languages? Beautiful. All right, so The Five Love Languages, you can actually go online, take a survey, and it will tell you what your love language is and what your spouse's love language is. What does that mean? He has five categories. I won't go into great detail, but uh, I, I will give you one example. For me, one of my, uh, I, I took the test that I'll share with you, and it, it turns out that I'm pretty good in every area, which means I can be loved in any direction. <laughs> that sounded totally weird. I think I'll edit that out. Um, <laughs> but what, what, what I'm low on is gifts, all right? I'm, I'm low on, on gifts, meaning if you give me a gift, it's not that I don't appreciate it. It's just that's not my love language. And so here's where that comes into factor. So if I think about giving someone a gift, that's not how I feel love. So I don't tend to focus on gift giving. I, f I tend to focus on things that make me feel loved. I, f I tend to pitch in and help people. Uh, I tend to give words of encouragement because that's how I understand love. So if, if I'm married to someone whose main thing is wanting to get gifts, I have to be aware of that because I'm speaking my love language, not her love language. Does that make sense? Excellent. I guess. I didn't really see any verbals or, or nonverbals. Right? All right. Uh, and then pray together. Now, here's an, a fascinating statistic. Couples that pray together are one in 1,000 less likely to experience divorce. I'm not making this up. This is a Gallup poll. Couples who pray together regularly have a one in 1,000 less chance of getting divorced. That alone ought, ought to get our attention. And there's other benefits in that praying together as well, but we'll leave it at that for now. His biggest need being respect, but guys, here's how you can uh, devote yourselves to your wife. Like I said before already, three times more instructions for the husbands than for the wives. So that ought to tell you something. And you have to love like Christ loved the church. Ask yourself, how did Christ love the church? Christ literally died for the church. I have three daughters. Two of them are married. That means two young men have come and asked for their hand in marriage. And I'll tell you, this is fun. Because after the first one, it kind of took me by surprise. But the second one, I had a little time to think about. What if, what if he asked me that? i got some questions. And, and I've got a third one that's not married yet, so it gets even better. I feel sorry for that guy. Anyway, so the question that I asked the, the second one, I said, uh, do you love her enough that you would die for her? And I, you know the answer to that, right? What, oh, yes, absolutely, I would die for you. I said, well, then, then let me ask you this. Do you love her enough that you would live for her? 
and that's what he did. I don't know how to, what's the right answer? I don't know what to answer. I said, here's what I mean. If you would live for her, that means you could die to self and put her needs in front of yours. Are you willing to do that? And of course he said yes, because he wanted to marry my daughter. But yeah, that's an important thing. Husbands, are you willing to die for her? I bet you are. But are you willing to die to self for her? Do you see the difference? It makes all the difference in the world in that relationship. And until we are, we won't get that respect that we so much desire. And she won't experience that love that she desires. Lover as Christ loves. Are you willing to die for her? Are you willing to die to self for her? And I will leave it at that because I think that explains most of it. Let me, uh, let me give you some suggestions, though, because... Um, <laughs> This gets tricky, but uh, fortunately, I have uh, a visual aid that is going to clear everything up, and you will look just like this every morning of every day here. <laughs> and if you believe that, uh, i got a bridge, I'll show you. <laughs> anyway, let me pull out uh, something that I have not marketed yet, but will soon hit Amazon.com, and you can purchase the Marriage Maker. I know, every carpenter out there is marveling at my wood skills. Here it is. This isn't going to work as well as I thought, but that's okay. So here we have the marriage maker, and this is the path of life. And we have man <laughs> and woman. Like I said, it'll be available on Amazon any moment. All right? And so we are attracted maybe to, to an individual, and so we experience this. Sometimes we're a little bit closer. Sometimes the man falls in a state of <laughs> disgrace and needs to be saved, uh, maybe by a men's group, maybe by a retreat, but he's lifted back up by Christ, dusted off, and said, try again, buddy. All right. So uh, this, is, this is typically what we experience, and, and we can go back and forth, and, and sometimes we get close, but we rarely stay there if we're honest. Are we honest about this? And here's where it gets even worse, because let's just say that one person is on this spectrum of life, and the other one determines, I am going to learn more about Christ, and I am going to be more spiritual. And so they begin to be elevated. Now, this isn't really what it looks like, but this is what it lo- This isn't really what it looks like. <laughs> but this is what it feels like. Like This person is going, oh, well, yeah, she's just too good for me now. She thinks she's all that. Or I feel even more unworthy than I did before. And what happens? You notice the distance has actually increased. They're more apart now than they've ever been. So husbands... Wives, this is why I encourage you both to study this person called Christ, <clears throat> excuse me, in this Christian lifestyle. Because if you study it apart, you can actually grow apart. And I've seen it happen. So, Bill, got any other good news? This is where the marriage maker comes into effect, full force. The God bolt. So here's the way this works. If we commit to each other and we commit to Christ and Christ brings that marriage together and we say, you know what? Uh, There may be bad days. There may be days where you fall in disgrace and you have to be picked up by that love and grace of Jesus Christ. But I'm going to bolt this in. This is a covenant. There's no escaping this bad boy. And we commit that we are going to grow 
in Christ together. It's not about me and you. It's about us both growing in Christ. And so as we both grow in Christ, what's happening with these two individuals? Oh, my gosh, we're growing closer together. And when we drift from Christ, what happens? We're further apart. And if we fall in disgrace, no, I'm not going to go there again. But you get the idea? All right, be honest with me. How many people want this now? <laughs> That's what I thought. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Marriage Maker, available on Amazon. Get one. More importantly, live one. <laughs> All right, so uh, let me ask you this. It, it, we started with a straw poll that said uh, submission. We were kind of this way on it. But, but before we take the next straw poll, let me just ask you one thing. If we're Jesus followers, if we're following Jesus Christ, would you say that he was a person who submitted? Yes. Can you think of an example? The cross, Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, Father, if there's any way that you can take this cup from me, please do it. But Christ submitted. He put his mission underneath the mission of the Father. And what was that mission? To reconcile the world. Did that make Christ weak? Actually made him very strong. Did that make Christ inferior? He's still fully God. It was in this cooperative relationship that enabled this mission of reconciliation to occur just like our relationships can. We're not the Savior, but we can sure model the Savior's love by biblical submission. The other interesting thing that I will share with you uh, that will um, hopefully help you is a list of resources. If you would like a list of resources, there were so many in the preparation of this. I mean, there... <laughs> all kinds of stuff out there. If you want uh, an email from me that will give you a lot more resources, you can just text the word marriage to the number on the screen right there. And I will send you an email that has all kinds of links, tests that you can take for free that will help you on this marriage process. So text the word marriage to that number. Uh, I also encourage you to look at the five love languages by Dr. Gary Chapman, love and respect by Dr. Emerson Egerich. And uh, home point is the last thing I will share with you. We have a free gift for you today, and they are available on the table back here, one per family. It's a home point assessment package. So I encourage you to take one of these on the way out. There's an assessment that you can take as a family. Um, it will help you determine kind of where you are as a family. And this is not just about marriage. This is about all aspects of relationships and discipleship in the home. So if you're dealing with an older parent, if you're dealing with uh, kids and parenting, if you're dealing with addictions, depression, whatever. There's all kinds of material available, and it starts with your home point package. Hard copy is available on uh, if you know where the restrooms are, out this door and into the other one. There's a whole display there, and you're welcome to take anything that you see there. Uh, and then we will be coming out with more digital things that you can latch into. But this is all about living that more Christ-like life and coming together, not just as a married couple, but as a community of Christ. Because that's the light that we need to see in the world. That's the beacon that we need to show. So that we'll look like this, at least on the inside. <laughs> now, one more thing I want to share with you. Ironically, the triangle is one of the strongest structures out there. Architects love it. If you notice any building that's built with it, they will use triangles because this has so much ability to support and withstand pressure, even more so than a square, which then becomes a rhombus if you put pressure on it. But this triangle is capable of withstanding tremendous pressure. So, word, sir, 
as you look at your marriage, if you are using the marriage maker, if your marriage is a triangle, your marriage can withstand tremendous pressure, retain its form, and hold up to whatever the world throws at you. It's a word serve. Let me ask you. Thumbs up, favorable. Thumbs down, less favorable. What is your impression of the word biblical submission? Yes. Thank you, God. Word serve, we just got stronger today, and it is to God's glory. Will you pray with me? God, we don't always get this right. We don't always know exactly how to submit. We often buck against that. But God, I pray that you would help us to see the power of that, to put our mission underneath your mission so that the very world that you came to save can be reconciled, not through us, but through your son, Jesus Christ. We're just representatives. And God, in the meantime, we experience so many benefits as we live this lifestyle, as we come together under your mission, and as we become light to the world. And we're not powerful enough to do that of our own. We're not smart enough to do that on our own. So God, I pray right now, here today, that you would help us through the power of your spirit. Find that God bold. Help us to commit to relationships together, whether that be in a marriage, a parent and son or daughter, a community. Help us to covenant together to find ways to draw closer to you and in the process, closer to each other. And may the world know who you are and may the world know us as your disciples. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.